as Anna said, uh, it, it is an area, it's, it's like, yeah, if you were here last week, I spoke about forgiveness. If you're here this week, I'm talking about fasting. And, and you're like, man, I wish I didn't come last week or this week. Um, hopefully next week will be something nice and lovely and fluffy. And um, it probably will be. But I just think that it's really important that we understand some of these basic spiritual disciplines that we need to do. In fact, as I've gone through this uh, reading program uh, that I've told you about of reading the Bible in 30 days, and I think we're up to day 26 today, and um, managed to get myself through Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Lamentations, the most depressing book on the face of the planet. Um, managed to get through all of that. The one thing that I see all the way through is God constantly says, even now that we've that I, uh, we've read through Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, and I'm into Acts now, um, even when I look through all of that, all of all the way through, it's like, if you obey my commands, it will go well for you. If, if you do what I tell you to do, you'll have a great life. If you don't do what I tell you to do, if you don't hold on to my commands, if you don't hold on to my words, then life won't go well for you. And all the way through, whether it be Genesis or whether it be Acts or whether it be John or Matthew or Ezekiel or First and Second Kings or First and Second Chronicles or wherever it is in the Bible, it's just this constant theme all the way through. If you obey me, if you do what I tell you to do, life is going to go well for you. But if you don't, then it won't. And the thing about that is that to obey God means that I have to hear what he says. Some of the principles that he teaches us, and not all of those principles I like, to be honest with you. Example, last week, forgive others as I have forgiven you. No, thank you. I don't want to forgive people that have hurt me. I want them to be punished. I prefer the scripture that says that when you pray for those that persecute you, that God puts hot coals in their laps. I, I prefer that scripture over forgiving them. How many people are with me this morning? I, I, I prefer a whole lot of things in scripture, but this one thing that I've learned is that you can't pick and choose the parts of the Bible that you like. It's not a cafeteria Christianity. It's not a buffet Christianity where you can pick the bits and pieces that you like because then you have an unbalanced diet and then you have an unbalanced life. And so many people, I think sometimes, when they talk to me, they're like, I don't understand why things aren't going well for me or this is happening or that is happening. And when you look at their world, there's an unbalanced diet when it comes to living their spiritual disciplines. And so fasting and prayer is one of our spiritual disciplines that God has given us. And when we understand that God is a good God, and he's not trying to punish us, but he's trying to help us, no matter how hard we may find it, when we come from the perspective and the position of understanding that God's intentions are always for our good, then fasting is not something to be feared, but fasting is something to be valued. And it says this, as Anna said earlier, in Matthew 6.16, Jesus said to them, when you fast, not if you fast, not, hey, here's a really good idea, not like when Trinity wants a cup of tea and we're sitting in the lounge and she says things like, I thought you might like to make me a cup of tea. It's not a suggestion. It's saying when you fast. In other words, it's not something that you don't get to do. It's something that you should do. And fasting should actually be part of our lifestyle. Now, some of you are like, oh, yeah, I'm doing intermittent fasting now because that's the whole new 
dietary fad, and, and for some people it really works and others it doesn't, but that's not fasting because it's prayer and fasting. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that leads to a focus on God. Fasting is a spiritual discipline where I deny my appetites for a season so that I may focus on God. And we live in a world that is consumer-orientated. Yeah, we, 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 don't get me wrong. I, as you can see this morning, I love food. Thank you for not laughing. Appreciate it. I love food. I love going to new restaurants. I love checking out new things. You know, one of the new things that I've fallen in love with lately is that the local coffee guy at the top of the main street there across from, from the, the health centre there on the corner where Albert's Bakery used to be. They do, they do beetroot lattes there. And I tell you, I, some of you are like, Ugh, but I'm telling you, if you like that kind of stuff, it's, it's the bomb. It's just awesome. And I love all sorts of things, and I have all sorts of appetites, but I realize that sometimes my appetites actually start to control me rather than me controlling them. And the Bible says this, that we should pray and fast. And what fasting does is fasting separates us from the world, and prayer reconnects us to God. Fasting separates us from our appetites, the things that are that have got a hold on us, and prayer reconnects us with God. So God is not suggesting this because he wants to do harm to us, but what he's trying to do is he's trying to bring a refocus for us into our lives. Fasting is saying, for a season, I'm going to deny my appetites and focus on God. Now, if I take my glasses off for a minute, you are all really, really blurry. Incredibly blurry. In fact, I don't have long-sightedness or short-sightedness. The back of my eyeball, where, where the light reflects off and then bounces back out, instead of mine being shaped like a football, mine's shaped like a pear. And so sometimes the light misses and it doesn't reflect properly. And so therefore, I have eye issues. And so what happens is when my glasses are off is people look tall and skinny. Hence why whenever I look at myself in the mirror in the morning, I just take my glasses off and go, you are fine, fine, fine. Some of you, some of you are like, every time I talk to Craig now, I'm going to ask him to take his glasses off while he talks to me. But it's, it's completely blurry, but once I put my glasses back on, everything comes into focus. And here's the thing, is that I believe, for me and for you, that we desperately need to get our focus back. It's one of the hardest things, isn't it, when we come into a new year, is getting back into the new year, yeah? Evie's really excited that she gets to go back to teaching this week and students arrive on Friday. You know, like, you know, trying to get your focus back in the new year is quite difficult, and I believe that we desperately need focus. Some, for some of us, life has gotten very, very blurry. Some of us, life has got incredibly blurry. We've become complacent about things. And, and old habits that we thought were gone have come back. And, and I, I just really believe that this is an opportunity for us to come back into focus and to focus on God. And, and I think that Jesus showed us how important this is in, in Matthew 4, 1 to 2, where it says that then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So I love the Bible, it just states the obvious. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Really? That's incredible. You know, like, sorry, you guys are all serious this morning. I shouldn't be 
being sarcastic. But it kind of states the obvious that he was hungry after fasting. And, but the thing is, is that what we have to understand is that he went into these 40 days and 40 nights of prayer and fasting right at the start of his ministry because of the, the monumental task that was ahead of him that, that the Father had asked him to do. And so the first thing that he did is that he fasted and he prayed for 40 days and 40 nights because he knew he was about to step into something that was very significant. He was hungry because fasting leads to hunger. But fasting doesn't just lead to a physical hunger. Fasting actually leads to a spiritual hunger. And Christ's spiritual hunger started way before he started fasting. In fact, it talks about him in Isaiah 61 where it says, He has sent me, that is Jesus, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners. So when he came to earth as the Son of God to be sacrificed on the cross, he came hungry. But he came hungry for changed lives. He came hungry for people to be set free. He became hungry for those that are wounded to be healed. He became hungry for that. And he was hungry spiritually for that to happen in your life and my life and the lives of those around him way before he was hungry from fasting. But he understood something that before he embarked on this monumental journey that he needed to embark on, he needed to set aside himself for a season and get himself focused. Spiritual hunger always leads to fasting because fasting connects us to God in such a way that nothing else does. And when we're hungry for the things of God, fasting will allow us to get that spiritual hunger. And Jesus hungered for changed lives. That's why he fasted, because he wanted to see lives changed in uh, I think it is Second Chronicles, Jehoshaphat was the king at the time, and Jehoshaphat called for a fast because Jehoshaphat needed clarity. Is anybody here who is wanting to have, if you want to have children one day, can I suggest Jehoshaphat would be a really good name for one of your children? It won't cause any bullying at school in any way whatsoever. But Jehoshaphat was king at the time, and they were surrounded by a ton of different armies. They were under attack. They were surrounded by a whole lot of different armies. And he, he, he just had no idea what it was he was going to do. He was confused. He didn't know whether to attack, whether to defend, whether to go left, whether to go right. He was completely and totally confused about what to do in this situation. And he cries out to God, in Second Chronicles, and he's crying out to God for clarity. He's crying out to God to tell me what it is that I need to do here. What do I need to do? And so in Second Chronicles 23, it says, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. What was Jehoshaphat fasting for? He was fasting for clarity. I don't know about you, but I, I need some clarity. Yeah? I need some clarity about what this year looks like, what the next decade looks like. I need some clarity around some of the things that I feel that God is asking me to do. I, I need an answer from him. I need some direction from him. And they needed an answer, and they needed it right now because they were surrounded. They needed an answer. How many of you today are searching for clarity? How many of you are searching for clarity in regards to your 
finances, in regards to your career, in regards to your family, in regards to your marriage, in regards to whatever is going on in your world. Well, Jesus fasted for changed lives, but Jehoshaphat fasted for clarity. And it was Jehoshaphat's hunger for clarity that led him to a fast. And the story goes on and says that through that fasting, God began to speak to him and God gave him clarity that he needed and he ended up winning the battle and saving his entire army because he fasted for clarity. There's a story of a woman called Esther who was a queen at the time to a king and she was um, one of many, many wives that the king had and she basically spent most of her time having beauty treatments how many people, how many women here feel that you would love it if God called you to just have beauty treatments every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, just so that about once every nine or so months, she could spend an evening with the king? It's a pretty sweet life, isn't it? Okay, maybe not. Depends what the king's like, I suppose. (laughs) But here's the thing. She can't just approach the king however she wishes. In fact, the scripture says that if she walked into his presence without him asking her to be in his presence, he would have her beheaded right there in that moment. (laughs) Maybe it wasn't such a cruisy life after all. But she did have this family member whose name was Mordecai. And Mordecai comes to her and he says, hey, I, I just found out something. I just found out that, that I'm going to be killed. And, and bigger than that, not only am I going to be killed, but there's this guy who wants to actually kill all of the Jews. He wants to destroy the Jews. He wants to kill all the Israelites. He wants them all dead. And, and, and Esther, you know, like you're going to have to go and talk to the king about this because you have the king's ear, and she's like, man, I, I can't just walk into his presence. He might kill me. I have to be invited into it. And, and one of the great lines that Mordecai says to her is, Esther, you were born for such a time as this. And so Esther is in this moment where she's paralyzed with fear, because what if I walk in there and I'm beheaded? beheaded? What, if, what if this happens? What if that? She's paralyzed in this moment where she wants to help Mordecai and she wants to help the Israelites, but she has this absolute fear that if I step into the king's presence, then I'm going to die. And so she says to him in chapter 4, verse 16, she says, Go gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. So so why did Esther fast? Esther fasted because she needed courage. She needed courage to step into the king's presence. She was desperately in need of courage to be able to go in and put her life at risk to save the lives of many. I don't know about you, but how many of you are gripped by some fear in some situation? How many of you need courage to have that conversation that you've been avoiding for a long time? How many of you need that courage to, to sit down and have a discussion about where your marriage is at and do it in such a way that doesn't destroy your marriage but actually enhances your marriage? How many of you need the courage to sit down with your kids and say, hey, I have some concerns about 
the direction that your life is heading in. How many, how many of us need courage to be able to uh, change jobs because you feel like God wants you to step into a new direction? Or how many of us need courage, but we've been, we've been gripped by fear that if this, what if that happens? And what if this happens? And what if, how many of you need courage because you know that God's been pulling on your heartstrings about doing something for Him this year, maybe running a connect group or whatever it is it might be, and you're, you're just gripped with fear around what that would look like and what if nobody comes and what if people hate it and what if people don't like my cooking and what if they don't like my baking or whatever it is that you're going to dish up when they come. And, and so we're just paralyzed by this fear. Well, Esther fasted for courage. Courage to step into what God has asked her to do. And unfortunately, we live in a culture, we live in a world in which... The world, our world, is paralyzed in fear. Anxiety in our world today is higher than it's been any other time. People are paralyzed with fear. And so Issa had a hunger for courage, and the hunger for courage drove her to fast. And as the story goes on, if you've ever read it, God comes to her rescue, and the only person that gets destroyed is the person that wanted to destroy them. You know, there's another story of a prophet called Joel, and Joel hungered for a breakthrough. And Joel was the prophet to the kingdom of Judah at the time when this happened. And he's been saying to them, guys, you, you, you need to listen. Kings, you need to listen. You've you got some major sin issues that are going on right now. And, and, and you need to change them. And you need to repent because if you don't, things aren't going to go well for you. And he, he's trying to encourage them to get back into relationship with God. And he says in chapter 1, he says, Declare a holy fast. Summon the elders and all who live in the land of the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. He's basically saying if the nation of Judah wants to finally see a breakthrough, we need to declare this holy fast because we're really going in a wrong direction. And, and some of you, and including me, in some areas of our lives that we've been struggling with for so long, we need to declare a holy fast on those things. You may have some issues that you've been dealing with for years and years and years, and, and you're dealing with the same issue now that you dealt with in 2019, and nothing seems to be shifting. Maybe, maybe it's an addiction to alcohol. Maybe it's an addiction to drugs. Maybe it's an addiction to food. Maybe it's an addiction to all sorts of things, and you're like, man, I, 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 it's, it's just not shifting. It's just not changing. It's not moving. The list could go on and on and on, but you desperately need a breakthrough in your world. You desperately need a breakthrough, just like Judah needed a breakthrough because they were heading in such a wrong direction. And it was Joel's hunger for breakthrough for the nation of Judah. It was Joel's hunger for them to break through and see that sin destroyed so that they could live for God that drove him to declare and ask the elders to help him lead a holy fast for that nation. And I suppose the question for you and I this morning is, what are we hungry for? What are we hungry for? Are you hungry for breakthrough? Are you hungry for, for um, courage? Are you hungry for changed lives? What, what is it that you're hungry? Are you hungry to get out of debt? What are you hungry for? Because my, my Bible teaches me that when we fast, God responds and Isaiah, he says, this is his response 
when we fast, it says this, that then your light will shine like the dawn and your wounds will be quickly healed. I don't know about you, but I've got some wounds that need to be quickly healed. Your God will walk before you and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then I will call out and the Lord will answer. You will cry out and he will say, here I am. I couldn't think of a greater promise from prayer and fasting that God heals our wounds quickly, that God turns up and he says, here I am, I am here with you. It says that his light will shine like the dawn. I don't know about you, but I got some dark places that need some light shine into. I got some wounds that need to be healed quickly, that God is going to come. And, and it says that God will answer, you will cry out and he will say, here I am, here I am. Never left you, never forsake you. Some of us are desperately in need of hearing God say, here I am. And I want to invite you over, over these next 21 days as we start after next Sunday, I want to invite you to come on the journey of fasting together. I want you to come on a fast with us. And when you leave church this morning, we've got some stuff that will help you. This is a uh, a thing that we've done 21 days with God. And if you've never fasted before, this is probably a good way for you to do it. Day one, we say fast dinner, read this scripture, pray this prayer. And, and, and I just believe that as you go through each of these days and follow what it says, read the word that it says, pray the prayer that it says, that, that, that spiritual hunger that you need, that change, that breakthrough, that courage would come. We also got one it's called Fasting Guidelines, and it just gives you an idea of how to fast, what to fast, what fasting really is. If you're in a really physical job, be smart about how you fast. If you've got health issues, then I would probably suggest that you talk to your doctor before you do that, just to make sure you know that you're all okay and good. But some of us desperately need to hear God say, here I am. So if I'm going to fast, there's, there's, you know, we have a joke in our house, if calls it starving for Jesus. I call it fasting. So how do you know whether you're actually just starving for Jesus or whether you're fasting? In other words, how do you know if this is a God-centered fast? How do you know if this is a biblical fast that will lead to spiritual hunger? Because sometimes... I think we just fast. And I think that's just starving. I don't think that that's Christ-centered because it should lead to a spiritual hunger. It should, spiritual hunger should drive us into the fast. And Matthew, it says that the tempter came to him, Jesus, and he said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, said, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What happened in the middle of God's fast, in Jesus' fast? What starts out as physical hunger, but in the midst actually becomes a truly God-focused fast? It begins to transform you. It begins to bring a spiritual hunger. And Jesus' fasting led him to a spiritual hunger. Man doesn't live by bread alone. It's not, it's not the bread it's not food that I live by, but the word of God that I live by. This spiritual hunger started to happen. It'd been a, and he started to 
understand that it was about the Word of God. And, you know, I, I did a bit of a word study the other week. And uh, when I, well, actually this week when I read it, and, you know, we love that scripture. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But that word hearing in the original text in Hebrew literally means this, to obey and take action. Faith comes by obeying and taking action, and obeying and taking action comes by the Word. In other words, what the Scripture is saying, it's when you start to get hungry for His Word and His guidance, then you obey it by taking action on it. See, hearing isn't just hearing, hearing is doing. It's stepping out, it's making something happen. And and Jesus understood something, that man does not live by bread alone, but by the Word of God. And during his fasting, he's like, man, I'm going to obey and I'm going to take action of fasting because it's the word of God I need to live by, not my circumstances. I don't know about you, but maybe it's been a long time since you've had a fresh touch from God, a long time since you felt his intimacy, a long time since you really felt like he was alive on the inside of you. And I think the mistake that all of us make, including myself from times, is that we can get so much knowledge about who he is. But I want you to forget knowledge because without passion and intimacy, your knowledge is pointless. Without passion and intimacy, the knowledge is pointless. I can know everything about Trinity, but if there's not passion and intimacy in our marriage, our marriage won't last. Come on, there's got to be an intimacy and there's got to be a passion that we add to our knowledge. The word has to shift from our head to our hearts. And prayer and fasting allows that to happen. And I just, I just imagine this, this week, if we all came together for 21 days and we all did this, we came together as a church and we all fasted and we prayed and we seek his face and we go after his presence, what could happen? What could happen in your world? What could happen in our community? Think about the power of us coming together in unity over this 21 days. The Bible says this in Psalm 133, where there's unity, God commands a blessing. Just imagine what could happen. Because it's not about fasting the stuff. It's not about the stuff that you're fasting. It's about connecting to the one and only true living God. It's about reconnecting with him. It's about connecting with our Savior, the one who set us free, the one who delivered us, the one who can heal us, the one that can transform us. It's about seeking his presence. In Matthew 6.33 it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all this stuff will be added to you. I I just think we've got to shift. We live in a world that says pursue the stuff, but God is saying, no, no, it's not about my presence. It's about my presence. Are you hearing me? It's not about what he brings. It's about who he is. And the Bible says if we seek first his presence, then all the stuff will be added. But if we pursue the stuff, we'll never have his presence. And what fasting and prayer does is it helps us to disconnect from our appetites and reconnect with him so that he becomes the thing that we seek first. And in seeking him first, all these things are added. And I love this verse because it's kind of saying, hey, stop worrying about the stuff. Don't worry about the gifts. God's in charge of those. He's got this. You just pursue his presence. 
And one of the tools that he's given us for pursuing his presence and becoming more intimate with him, for us to get clarity, for us to get courage, for us to see lives change, for us to see some of those things that we've been dealing with for years broken off our life, God says, hey, I have a solution for you. It's called prayer and fasting. And I have people come into my office sometimes and they say, man, I've been struggling with this and this and and it just keeps on coming round and round. It's like, you know, it's like that song, she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. It just keeps coming around and around and around and I never seem to be able to get past this, to move through this. And I'll say to them, have you ever fasted and prayed? The answer is always never. Or it's always I can't. Let me just say something to you this morning. Scientifically, you will not die if you miss a meal. It may feel like you're dying, but you won't die. You can go 40 days without food, three days without water. But what I I suggest to you is you can't go 24 hours without his presence. I just think we've got to shift focus this year, all of us, including myself, and understand that what we do in this life sets us up for eternity. I think too much of our world is driven by what happens in this life rather than in the life to come. Scripture says this, that this life that we live in now is like a fleeting moment. It's It's like a match that is lit and then it's blown out. But the crazy thing about God is this, is what we do in this short span of life actually decides the eternity of our lives. And too many of us are pursuing this part of our lives without an understanding that what we do here affects all of this. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a great career and I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to university and do all those sorts of things. But I will say this to you, that when you get to heaven, your doctor's degree ain't going to help you. Your money isn't going to help you. Your flash house ain't going to help you. Your nice car ain't going to help you. And God is not against any of those things. God wants his people to prosper. But the motivation for why we do it really matters. Here's the thing. I just want you to close your eyes just for a moment. And I'm not not actually going to ask you to do anything. I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand or anything like that at all. I want you to take a moment with God. Because I don't want you to fast because Craig said so. I want you to fast because God's speaking to you. Some of you, you need clarity. Some of you, you need courage. Some of you, you need stuff that you've dealt with for years and years to be broken off your life. Some of you, you need a... You need to connect with God in such a way you never had before. And so you understand that spiritual hunger leads to fasting and that you're hungry for God to do something in your life. And so you're going to go, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to fast this year. I want you to take a moment to have a conversation with him, not the person next to you, not the person in front of you or behind you, but with him for a moment and just say, okay, God, is this what you want me to do this year? Is this something that you want me to do? There's all different ways that you can fast. You can fast one meal a day. You can just eat fruit and vegetables. It's called the Daniel Fast. All that information is in those guidelines for you. But I I think we're going to have a moment with God right now where we actually talk to Him and say, 
God, what do you want me to do this year? What do you want me to do this year? And here's the crazy thing. It's never convenient to fast. In the middle of our fasting, I've got a two-day getaway with all of my family in Taupo. I've got a meeting down in Wellington with the executive of our movement. There's all the reason in the world why not to fast because we've got all these things on. But this is, this is about setting aside time to say, you know what, God, I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to put you first. I want to connect with you. Why don't you speak to him just for a moment this morning? Ask him what he wants you to do.